0: Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, the driver Reach and FreightWaves production. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder and CEO of DriverReach, a modern recruiting and compliance software solution. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insights to the driver lifecycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting, retention, and compliance. I appreciate all the positive feedback on the show. Please remember to rate and review Taking the Higher Road, whatever platform you use to listen. This week, it's my honor to host a great friend from my earliest days in the trucking industry. Someone I feel like I've I've grown up with in the industry uh, alongside, you know, for the past fifteen plus years. Uh, a great leader and a great family man with a genuine heart of gold. President and CEO of Bestway Express, Eli McCormick.
1: So glad to have you on the show, brother. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Appreciate the the warm welcome. Uh, I don't know if those words are. As true as what you make them sound, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Well, they're true to me, and they're true to everybody else who knows you. Um, <laughs> Fair we've, uh, we've
0: been through a lot together, you know, from our early days, uh, learning about trucking industry advocacy in Indiana, you know, the founding of the Future Leaders of Indiana, something that was also modeled by uh, ATA's lead ATA program, uh, to leading our respective companies and building, or in your case, carrying on a legacy. Uh, I'm excited to, to share your story with the audience. You know, who is Eli McCormick? the leader of a third-generation family business. I'm, I'm hoping you're okay with us talking about the tragedy that uh, accelerated your leadership responsibilities and how you're carrying on in the legacy in a, in an ever-evolving industry. And then we can talk about the importance of industry involvement and engagement uh, at both the state and national level. And, and then I'd also love to get your insights on the importance of leveraging technology, both in cab and in your operations. And then lastly, if we can get to all of this. Uh, I want to make sure that we have time to answer a question from a listener during our deeper dive segment. Think we can, think we can knock all this down? Give it a shot, man. Well, as is the custom, uh, you know, generally before we dive in, I, I usually ask if there's any sort of a, a book or podcast or anything that you might recommend for the audience, anything maybe recent or just really impactful that, uh, that you've read. You.
1: Yeah. Um, so actually I think you and I were talking about this the other, the other day when we had lunch together, but, um, I recently read, uh, you might laugh, but I read, uh, Matthew McConaughey's uh, "Green Lights" book, and um, not typically maybe something from a leadership perspective that you're going to say, "Oh man, that's going to be fantastic." But I was pleasantly surprised because it talked about he, he talked about his life and, and the resemblance between his life and like with with kind of my dad's life. Um, uh, it was somewhat uncanny, and uh, you know the book is about his stories and his and his life and, and taking you you know from his early age to his success and all that stuff. And he talks a lot about you know, the red lights and the yellow lights and the green lights, which the book is called. And um, you know, it talks about green lights being the positive things in his life and it talks about the red lights, uh, you know, the things that, you know, like in my case, a lot of tragedy and my story and stuff, and how do you turn that to a positive? So I was intrigued by that one. That was a good read. Uh it's 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 also on Audible. So if you want to hear Matthew McConaughey and his Southern Drawl read his own book to you, that's 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 a good one. Uh, the one I'm reading right now is called Leadership in Turbulent Times. It's a it's a surprise Pul- Prize uh, book. It's it's pretty good. I'm about halfway through it, but it's um you know it follows I think five or six presidents uh sees and it talks about the challenges that you know they they went through during their times of, of challenges and and uh, you know turbulent times and I think it reflects very well right now because um, my company specifically and I know a lot of others out there you know kind of on their their way through you know these turbulent times that we're going through right now you know dealing with a you know a pandemic and now we're you know starting to see some recessionary you know issues that are coming on and so it's it, it trucking always has its its challenges to say the least so this has been kind of a good one to kind of look at some of the leaders of our our uh you know country in the past and and kind of how they've they've handled some of these times so it's it's kind of intriguing. Like I said, I'm about halfway through it, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. A couple of
0: great recommendations. I'm not familiar with uh, green lights, but I've, r- I wrote that down, uh, especially for no other reason. I just want to hear that, uh, Southern drawl. Yeah. Right. And then yeah, it's, good. it's It's funny. It's a good one. It's a quick read. Now the other, the other one, uh, that's written, that's Doris Kearns, good one. And yep. I, and I've read that and I love it. Uh, I, in fact, yeah. I think I've mentioned it on the show before to a few uh, listeners and, um, and I love history, right? And so, yeah, that's a great one. I think you'll really like that. So, anxious to hear your your thoughts uh, on the other side of it. Uh, take us take us down memory lane, if you will. You know, how how did Bestway Express come to be?
1: Yep. So, uh, Bestway Express, we were formed in 1981, but roots go a little bit deeper than that. My grandpa, uh, you mentioned I'm third generation. That is accurate. My grandpa was in it much earlier than that. He started in the 1940s. Um, he grew up on um, a farm just south of our town. We're located in Vincennes Indiana, which is in southwestern Indiana. And my grandpa was a farm boy. Um, my great grandfather was actually the the Secretary of Agriculture under Truman, believe it or not. So when my grandpa, my great grandpa, was in Washington D.C., my grandfather was uh, tasked with taking over the farm, and and in doing so, he fell in love with uh, heavy equipment, more specifically trucks and hauling produce. So. He got his start in the 40s into the trucking world, hauling produce up into the Chicagoland uh, area. And um, fast forward into the 50s, uh, he purchased uh, uh, a little bit different side of the business. He got into the dealership side of the world, and um, he held the dealership for a little almost 60 years before we sold those in the early to mid-2000s. And um, during that time as Willie had an opportunity to get into the, the LTL world. And uh, he purchased uh, an LTL company and held it for, I want to say, probably 20 years or so. He sold right before deregulation. And um, so that was in, I want to say, mid to late 70s. So really kind of pushing the bucket on that. Um, at the time of kind of when we became a company, as best way Express, my father uh, was home um, from, from school, trying to get into veterinary school at the time. And he was running the parts departments for my grandfather's um, dealerships. And uh, 1980 rolled around. We went through a recession, you know, like we were talking about a minute ago. Um, Went through a recession. We had a local uh, farmer who had recently purchased three or four trucks off of my grandfather's dealership here locally. And unfortunately was unable to um, fulfill, you know, that order. So my grandpa repossessed the trucks and he took his um, authority for payment. And about a week later, you know, because he had he had some choices to make, you know, do I try to resell the trucks? Probably gonna lose money on it or do I take the authority and try to do something with it? So at the time, like I mentioned, my my dad was running the parts department. Uh, I have an uncle who uh, at the time was working out in, I believe, North Carolina for FFE, believe it or not. And um, I'm not quite sure what he was doing, but I think it was something to do with either driving a truck or doing something in the warehouse um, for them. and. Uh, so Grandpa kind of had this epiphany, like, hey, I've got all the mechanisms to do this. I've got uh, two sons who are interested in doing it, and so I think we should do it. So he called my dad into his office about a week later and said, Mac, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to start this trucking company. Here's here's the trucks that we have. Here's the authority. And basically, Dad said, okay. So uh, my Uncle Pat, who is uh, still in the business, he, he moved home, and uh, they started uh, Bestway Express in 19... 19- Eighty-one. We began. Um, so, so my grandmother's side, on my dad's side, that we've got ties. She's got ties. She's from Jasper, Indiana, and Jasper, Indiana, is known for uh, the furniture, uh, their furniture making and building and stuff. So, at the time, they were shipping a lot of that furniture out to the East Coast. So, best way got to start by hauling uh, furniture out to the East Coast cities like New York City, Philadelphia, Baltimore. Um, you know, city, big cities like that, metropolitan areas, and then they were. <laughs> They were tasked with hauling raw trash back into central indiana um so that was the early days of bestway express um if you fast forward just a few years later we had a local um facility here in town that, which was the johnson controls automotive plant and the gentleman that had that contract the freight contract was a good friend of my dad's and um they kind of joined forces and that's kind of how uh we got our start uh which we still primarily haul today which is all parts so uh, we experienced growth pretty quick. Uh, we, like I said, we started with like four trucks. And um, within about uh, seven or eight years, we had grown to about 100 trucks. Um, started with the contract here in Vincennes with the automotive stuff. And then we went down to Western Kentucky, which is uh, over in Cadiz, Kentucky at the time. There's a John's Controls facility there. Uh, we grew another probably 50 or 60 trucks in that operation. And then just a few short uh, years later, we ended up over in Eastern Kentucky, in Georgetown, Kentucky, uh, at the Johnson Controls facility there, where we grew another fifty or sixty trucks. So that is kind of uh, the footprint which we still have today. Uh, home base is here in Vincent, Indiana, which is southwestern Indiana. Uh, we've got we've got a hub in Western Kentucky. Now it's it's moved just a few miles away from Cadiz into Hopkinsville. Um, and then also we still have our hub over in Georgetown, Kentucky, which again, is in Eastern Kentucky, which is Toyota world. So, um, that's kind of who we are. That's what we do today. We're operating about 225 trucks ish. Um, got about 450 trailers, uh, still predominantly are hauling automotive parts. It makes up about 75 to 80% of our business. Um, last few years, like a lot of companies have done, uh, we've gone out, we tried to diversify a little bit. Um, so about 15% of our business, yeah, about 12% of our business. Uh, we haul bourbon and spirits out of the Louisville, uh, Kentucky market, uh, which has been very good for us. And then uh, we've recently kind of got into some... Quite a bit of uh, diversity. See, your uh, your father, you mentioned him,
0: Mac, yep. uh, was leading Best Way Express and in fact, was about to become the ATA's chairman. Correct, yeah. Tragedy, um, you know tragedy struck in, in May uh, 2006, as as the small plane he was flying crashed, and I think you and I first met. I mean, within a month or so after that, and I remember talking to you about that and just and really empathizing with with what you and and your family were going through. Do you mind or can you share? You know, just what what that tragedy or how that tragedy you know uh, altered your trajectory in the business as as the youngest of Max's three
1: sons, who all work in the business today, right? Yep. Yeah, so I'll back up a little bit. So um I graduated from Indiana State University in May of 2006. And for years prior, um, you know, it's a family business, so you can imagine how that goes. But for years, our, our father would always say, hey, um, you don't want to come back and do this. You know, <laughs> you don't want to do it. It's too stressful. It's, you know, it's it's got its qualms, but it's also rewarding and stuff. I think in reality, he probably thought we're going to come back and screw it up. So um You know, we kind of had that in the back of our heads that, you know, we were probably going to go do something else. So as graduation was approaching for me and out of college, I was looking at other options and had some other stuff on the table. Much to my surprise, about a month prior to me graduating, uh, my father came to me and said, hey, um, we just bought this third-party logistics company. We're looking for salespeople. I think you'd be good at it. And I said, well, uh, I've got other options on the table, so what are we talking about? I think that kind of like made him take a step back for a minute, you know, And uh, but ultimately we worked out a deal. And what I told him was, "Hey, I want to learn the business from the inside out if I want to come into sales. So put me in operations, and then I'll eventually go into sales for you." He said, "That's fine, but I'm going to give you six months to do it." So I started back. Um, well, we're getting close to 17 years. Uh, I think next week will be my 17th year <laughs> anniversary. But um, I started back in May of 2006. Like you mentioned, Dad was the incoming chairman of the uh, American Trucking Association. Uh, he was supposed to be uh, inaugurated in October, and about a week prior to that, he was on a speaking engagement up in Wisconsin. Um, amongst all of his, you know, uh, business successes, he was also a pilot, um, as was well my grandfather. And so, to get to that meeting, he was on a time crunch. So he, what he did was he had flown from, he had flown from uh, our local airport, uh, his personal plane up to Indianapolis, caught a commercial flight to Chicago and then drove up into Wisconsin to do a speaking engagement. And um obviously on the way back, same same scenario, just in reverse. Well, when he got from uh, Chicago back to Indianapolis, they sat on the tarmac because of a mechanical issue or weather had moved in or, or they couldn't get the, you know, the the gate to come pick him up off the plane or whatever it was, but he sat out there for about forty five minutes and uh, by that time weather started to move in and he had the option to you know, to drive home from Indianapolis, which is about a two-and-a-half-hour drive, or to fly his plane, which is about a 27-minute flight. Um, so ultimately, he chose to do that. Dad had been a pilot since he was 16, so it wasn't like he was new to it. He was 55 years old uh, at the time of his death, and um, that's kind of how it went down. He had gotten back all the way to Lawrenceville, weather had moved in, made his first approach, um, you know, the pertinent kind of come down on the clouds so low that He had to pull back up and then, you know, come back around and, and, you know, we don't know for sure, but we're 99% sure that, you know, when he was making his, his pass back around to, to re-land that it uh, suffered, suffered a heart attack and, you know, the plane climbed in altitude, speed didn't climb, ultimately plane stalled out and that was it. Um, At the time, like I said, that was in October of 2006. So I was almost to the date of him telling me, hey, you got six months to learn what you can, then I'm putting you out on the road to do sales." was about the time, uh, that accident happened. So, you know, it, it's alarming. You go from being a 20 year old kid that, you know, at the time, uh, absolutely knew nothing about trucking. Um, just graduated college, had six months of experience in operations, which really just at that point, you're still learning lingo. You're still learning, you know, culture. You're still learning all those things that, um, you know, it takes time. And, um, I woke up the next day and it was, oh my gosh, I'm no longer just a kid in operations now, you know, and it may sound dramatic, but now I have the responsibility of close to 400 lives um, at the time, responsibility for making the right decisions and, and doing the right things and and all that. So it was a lot. Um, it definitely made me grow up quick. Um, you ask about, you know, what effect that has, you know, on such a young young know, person is trying to figure out. I don't know that I ever really properly took the time to grieve just because he didn't have time to do it. Um, but I'll tell you the most fortunate part about the whole thing is that I had strong leadership in, in the organization at the time. So it wasn't although I was putting those pressures on myself because I thought I needed to do that, um, I probably really truly didn't need to because I had we had strong leadership in, in the organization at the time and ones that were willing to fill the gap until myself or one of my brothers was ready to step up and, and do this thing. So uh, kudos to them um, for doing that because not everybody would do that. And uh, we were, we're fortunate that we got through a lot of those tough times. We went through a recession pretty close after uh, all that happened. And, of course, you know, I won't get into the whole tax debt thing and all that, but uh, it really did put a strain on us. And it, it, it took us about a decade to get through all that just, just to get, kind of get back to even par. So lots of challenges. Um, It was a wake-up call for me um, that, you know, it was funny. Like when I was (laughs) interviewing with my father, he's like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, yeah, you know, I said, well, I don't really need a career. You know, I'm still young and all that stuff. And then it's funny just how it works out six months later. It's like, you're thrown into the lion's den. And it's it's definitely a sink or swim moment. You know, you guys probably seen the movie Tommy Boy. I really felt a lot like, you know, Chris Farley in that movie a lot of my life in my (laughs) early to mid-20s. You know, travel around the country, try to save the company and all that stuff. But uh, you know, all joking aside, I again I just I want to thank the people who are here that had the leadership, you know, to um step up and fill fill that void and and, and get us ready to take this thing over, you know, a few years later.
0: Well, you mentioned uh, thanks for sharing that. I know that that's uh uh it can be it can be pretty emotional. And I certainly recall when we like I said earlier, when we first uh met. And uh, I mean, it was it had, it was it was recent and 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 challenging. You know, you've you've you said seventeen years, right? So, you know, you've seen the industry change some. Um, can you maybe share a little bit about you know how how, how it's changed or evolved and how, how you've adapted, how Bestway's adapted uh, along the way?
1: Yeah, so 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 you know us specifically. So like again, just just from the commodity that we haul, we've always had the philosophy that we're going to get everybody home. You know, more than with the general. Uh, trucking public is going to do that. What What's changed for us is that I feel like that a lot of, um, or not for us, what's changed in the industry, that a lot of the industry kind of picked up on that model where supply chains have kind of changed to hub and spokes where it's allowed drivers, and rightfully so, uh, allowed drivers to get home on a more uh, consistent basis. So that created challenges for us because no longer were we able just to sell the fact that, hey, we're going to get you home more often. So that, you know, that's one big thing. And and, uh, you know, another one is obviously the price of equipment, equipment's, you know, obviously gone through the roof, especially here in probably the last five or six years. So that's been a bit of a challenge just because, you know, it, it, it's, this is a very capital intensive business that we're in. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that um, until they really start to look at it. So, you know, when equipment goes up, you know, rates and everything else, you know, kind of have to go up too uh, to kind of follow suit and, you know, consequently maintenance can pick up as well. And so, so that's a big change. Um, The things that really haven't changed in our world is how we treat drivers and how we treat employees. Um, You know, maybe in the industry, it used to be a numbers game where it's like, you know, not to pick on bigger ones because I don't necessarily think it's just the big ones doing it. But a lot of times, you know, just from a recruiting and retention, you hear it all the time that, oh, well, so-and-so lied to me and -and so-and-so did that. You know, we've, we've kind of hung our hat on the fact that we're probably, honest to our detriment to sometimes, you know, uh, where we're not trying to sugarcoat things. We're trying to tell them, trying to give them a real experience. So that hadn't really changed on our end. I think, uh, it, from an industry standpoint though, that, uh, it's changed for the better to where that honesty is now coming out. Uh, and it has been for quite some time, but when I first started 17 years ago, it was pretty much, um, you know, you say you do whatever you can to get, to get a driver in here. Uh, I feel like that's changed for the better definitely well i know how much
0: you value culture and i know you personally i know you pretty well and i know your brothers very well and and uh i know pat you mentioned pat you know i know pat well and uh i know how important that is to you can you share you know how important company culture is uh, and core values are you know when it comes to retaining drivers and and how does how does best way foster you know a more positive culture for its employees
1: Yeah. So that's a hard, you know, that's a hard thing to capture. I kind of mentioned a little bit about as far as, you know, how do you differentiate yourself from the next guy? You know, a lot of, a lot of uh, companies in this industry are are family owned and operated and we're no different. Like I said, we're third generation. So, you know, we kind of hang, again, we hang our hat on that, but how do you differentiate, differentiate yourself from that? So about six or seven years ago, I had a young lady approach me about doing an internship for us. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you want? You know what do you want to do? And she's like, well, you know, I'll learn anything and everything you can about business all that stuff. So, oh, okay, let's talk about it. Once you come in, let's have a conversation. Well, she did that, and you know, I I recognized pretty quickly with her that, um, a she's younger, right? Um, so <laughs> she she knows the technology piece a little bit better than what anybody else in this company did. Most of most of our employees here have been here for quite some time. So, um, not all, but you know, obviously, even myself included, you know you got 17 years under your belt, you're starting to get up in, in the age, you know, so, so technology, um, specifically like social media, um, uh, isn't necessarily one of our fine suits, or was a prior to that. So, so bringing, bringing her on to take over that, uh, was a huge success for us because we're not real good about patting ourselves on the back. We do the right thing. Um, always, I mean, we, that, that's kind of our motto, do the right thing always. And, uh, but we're not always so good about telling that story. And I think as, as a whole, as industry as a whole, I think the industry, is kind of the same way. So bringing her in to kind of capture some of that stuff and, and kind of the, you know, just illustrate and, and picture frame some of the things that we actually do well, uh, especially for our employees and our drivers has been a big key. Um, and, you know, some of those things, you know, we're no different than anybody else, but, you know, we make a big deal about driver appreciation week. We cook every, you know, every, every day, morning, lunch, dinner, um, scenarios and at different locations as well. Um, you know, we, we recognize, uh, drivers on a monthly basis, uh, you know, uh, through, through, uh, our safety platform, uh, that we use, uh, with our dash cams and stuff like that. So culture is a big thing, but the biggest thing, uh, for us is, you know, we recognize, this is kind of my dad's thing, you know, and, and, and I'm trying to take it on as well. And I, I've done pretty well with that, but, You know, we've got an open door policy here, and more so than just telling the drivers that, hey, you've got a voice here, showing them that they have a voice has been probably the biggest thing that we've been able to do. So with the exception of right now, my door is closed, but for the most part, my door is open all the time. So if at any rank, if anybody wants to come in and have a conversation about what's going on, it's an open invite to do so. Um... And I think that's important. It don't matter what it doesn't matter what size of a company you are. Um, you, you gotta you gotta keep that that level uh, available, you know. Um, and and transparency is key, whether it's good or bad or indifferent, you know. I think communication with uh, with all your employees is important, but especially the drivers because they're out there, you know, they're out there on the road on the, on a daily basis for hours at a time, and you know, they're they're gonna resonate with the last thing that was said to them, whether that's good or bad or indifferent, you know. So. So our our big thing about culture is, you know, always into conversation, especially in operations, or it could be in, you know, accounting or with the shop, don't, don't, don't leave the conversation with an angry tone or, you know, you know, telling a driver to go get bent or whatever, you know, you you can't do that. Right. right? And um, so I think we've done a pretty good job about that. Well, now we've got a couple of minutes left and I've got two questions. One,
0: uh, including the deeper dive question. So. So, uh, switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about industry involvement and engagement, uh, for a minute, because I mentioned earlier that you and I were part of the, I think there were like eight to 10, uh, other young leaders in Indiana uh, that formed, you know, future leaders of Indiana. And, uh, it was the right time for all of us. You know, we, we, we've all been super close ever since. And, and I say all the time, how great relationships you can build in this industry, you know, the relationships that can last a lifetime, how much, how much of an impact would you say, uh, that personal involvement in the industry at the IMTA, as well as TCA and ATA, how much did that help you as a as a young leader?
1: Well, so jumping in, I mean, jumping in at at the age of twenty two, like I said, I didn't know anything, right? So it was key for me. So we, let's talk about the you know the young leaders group that we've got, and um, you know it was key to me to be in a room full of full of uh, you know guys and gals that maybe not in the same boat, but close to the same age, close to the same demographic that were kind of up-and-comers of of their companies and stuff like that. So early on, like you said, within a year, I think, of uh, me coming on to here. um, Let me get a drink. Um, So very early on, coming into that and being in in that setting and seeing how, how all that works I can't tell you you, you you brought the relationship piece but you know and the networking stuff but some of the people that we met in that room that day are some of my best friends even to this day and at this point that's been 16 years ago uh, <laughs> I talk frequently to a good handful of those people still yourself included um today and then on a the national stage I was I was part of um TCA's younger before ATA's group came on and same thing with that there's uh, several in that group that I'm still very close to today, and, and, you know, when you go to these these national meetings and stuff, you talk about you're going for education, you're going to be a part of um, the networking group, but you're going to be a part of of a bigger bigger picture, you know, and, and going there and actually being able to know people when you go there, it, it makes it a little bit less scary, because it can be, you know, a little bit overwhelming if you're walking into this room of, of thousands of people, and you don't know anybody, you know, and that's one of those things for the young group, you know, I think that's the key, probably the most important thing is, is to build those relationships, and that's my biggest hope for anybody that goes to those programs, that they, they have the success, like you and I had, you know, from a relationship building standpoint, because, you know, Jeremy, I'll call you, and it may be about work, or may not be about work, you know, um, our good friend Lance Regal, you know, Lance is my insurance guy, and, um, he wasn't at the time, but I know that if I've got a problem with it personally or professionally, I can call Lance anytime, you know, any hour, and he's going to pick up, and he's going to give me the advice that either I need to hear or, you know, maybe don't want to hear sometimes. But but it, it's key, it, 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 and um, it's one of those things that you want to go through this journey, and, and we've said it before, you know, when we were starting the, the, the Young Leaders thing, um, once you're into transportation and logistics, you're probably going to stay in transportation and logistics. So you might as well find a core group of people that you want to go through it with. Because that's what we're doing. We're spending life together, you know. And we may not see each other every single day, but the nice thing is about true friendships is, and you'll build them in the, in these types of settings, is that it could be six months, it could be a year, which it probably won't be, but, you know, it could be some time that passes. And, and more than likely, you, you're going to pick right up, you know, where you left off. To me, that's been... Especially at a young age that's been probably probably the most important thing that helped me with my development, my leadership, and everything else, and uh, now to be able to carry that you know 15, 16, 17 years later, and um, you know now I'm working with with a lot of you guys, which is great. Well, there's a lot to, that I still want to talk about, and I know we're, we're we're at
0: the end of our time today. I do want to talk about, because I know again, we're so involved in the industry and engaged that I think some some pretty important topics whether that's um uh, electric vehicles or you know 18 to 20 year olds getting behind a wheel and so i'm hoping that you'd be willing to have another conversation with me where we can unpack some of those things yeah. and, and share yeah. share that and then in that scope I'll, I'll i'll we'll ask the deeper dive question that that we're not going to be able to get to today because it was just is too much to cover i was i knew that was daunting but uh, but i i really appreciate your time um I'm grateful for our relationship uh, and and certainly appreciate your dedication to this industry. Absolutely. Appreciate your time. Thanks for inviting me on, and I look forward to another conversation. And thanks for joining me for another episode of Taking the Higher Road and spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. And remember, you can submit any questions or comments, including those which may appear on upcoming Deeper Dive segments, at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road, whatever platform you use to listen. Until next time, thank you for taking the higher road.